Hey, welcome today. It's great to see you. So glad for you that are joining us online. Uh, we know you have a choice of where you shop, and we're, I'm, I'm sorry, just, just glad you're with us today, no matter when you're watching or how you're watching. And those of you in the room, uh, we love that you're here, feel God's presence today, and uh, that is great stuff. Hey, we are in the second week of our series called Win the Day, and uh, basically, how do we get yesterday back in its compartment? How do we lock the door on tomorrow so we're not worried about that yet? And how do we just focus on what God wants to do today, right now, in this moment? You know, I don't believe in random acts. I believe that God has a moment for you. And maybe today is that moment. But how many times have I missed the moment because I'm regretting what happened yesterday or I'm too worried about what happens tomorrow that I can't deal with what God has for me today? Bible says, this is the day the Lord hath made. We get the opportunity to be glad in it. You know, there's a legend in Judaism. It's kind of a uh, rabbinic legend about a man named Nashon. Now, Nashon gets one shout out in the Bible, and it's one begat. <laughs> That's when you read his name. He's the great, great, great grandfather of King David. But uh, he had one single act of courage that changed everything for Israel according to rabbinic tradition. Now, you might remember in the Exodus, Moses, God raises up Moses to lead the children of Israel out of Egypt. And Pharaoh says, go, just get out of here, you're released, and they go, almost two million of them strong. They go all the way out into the desert, and they're leaving Egypt, and they come up to the Red Sea, and you could say now they're stuck between a rock and a hard place because the sea is on one edge and all of a sudden they hear hoof beats. The entire Egyptian army comes bearing down on them. No one knows what to do. There's no way out. There's an ocean or a sea on one side and there's an army on the other. And that's when God issues this counterintuitive command to them and says, tell the people of Israel to go forward. Well, the problem was there was no way forward. There's the Red Sea on one side, and there's something very dangerous and deadly on the other. And according to rabbinic tradition, that's when the leader of the tribe of Judah steps up and literally steps into the Red Sea. Nashon wades, wades into the Red Sea, past his knees, past his waist, all the way up to his chest, all the way up to his nostrils, he's out there. You just see the top of his head. And all of a sudden, the sea begins to split. And God makes a highway through the Red Sea. But not until one man of faith stepped out in faith and stepped in. Now, like I said, this is rabbinic tradition. It's not scripture, but it's very fascinating. There's an old axiom. I don't know if you've ever heard this. If you want to walk on water, then you're going to have to get out of the boat. If you want to walk on water, you're going to have to get your feet wet. But there's one more. How about this? If you want to see God make a highway through the ocean, then you're half going to get into the water. Sooner or later, you're going to have to get into the water. Most of us spend most of our lives waiting for God. God, I'm just waiting for you to split this sea. I'm waiting for you to make this way. God, I'm waiting for you to open this thing up. And maybe God is just waiting for us to get our feet wet. Maybe God is waiting for us to step in and step out. And then he says, guess what? I'm going to meet you there. Waiting for God 
But you know, that's all it takes for God to make a sidewalk through a sea, is for us to be faithful. We sang about that today. But you have to kiss the wave. If we're going to do that, you've got to kiss the wave. The first step is always, isn't this true? The first step is always the hardest step. Why? Because you have to overcome fear. You have to exercise faith. You have to take the first step sometimes before God reveals the second step. That's what Nashon does, this great, great, great grandfather of King David. And you have to wade into the water sometimes. Maybe, <laughs> I don't know about you ever been there where it feels like it's all the way up to your nostrils and you go, anytime God, anytime now. So if you have your Bible, if you want to look in Exodus chapter 14, we're going to continue on in this teaching and we're going to look at what God does when he, Moses leads the people of God out of Egypt, out of slavery. Let me set the scene for you. The Israel the Israelites have been in slavery for over 400 years. They're led into the wilderness by their new leader, Moses, and he leads them right up to the Red Sea, and right at the point that the Egyptian army is coming down, so they've got two choices. Either we drown or we die by the sword. I don't know if you can put yourselves in their sandals for a minute and know that, man, this is crazy. The entire Egyptian army, one of the greatest armies in the world at that time, coming full throttle. You ever heard of this, flight or fight? <laughs> I don't know about you, but when I hear hoof prints, I want a flight. And it says that the people panicked. But this is also when leaders step up and lead. This is also when spirit-led people stay calm and connect with Jesus. And that's when... This spirit-filled people stepped up and stepped in. That's who Moses is, and that's what Moses does. In verse 13 of Exodus chapter 14, he says this to the people, Fear not, stand still, and you will see the salvation of the Lord, which he will show you today. Not, hey, guess what? God's going to show up tomorrow. Or wasn't that cool what God did yesterday? I don't know about you, but what God did yesterday doesn't help me when I'm facing the Red Sea and got the army breathing down my neck. And so he says, today, the Lord will fight for you and you shall hold your peace. So three simple thoughts I want to share today as we go through this kiss the wave is number one, you've got to face your fear. Number two, you've got to stand, take your stand and the the last thing is you've got to hold your peace. So, so what do we mean by kiss the wave anyway? Is this like is that a Beach Boys uh, reference or what's going on with kiss the wave? Let me tell you where that comes from. Charles Spurgeon was probably one of the greatest preachers that the planet has ever known. In the 1800s, he began his ministry just in his early 20s. They called him the prince of preachers. His sermons are renowned. His books are numerous. And... Uh, He's just, he's just a famous guy in England as he would preach, and people just huge. You talk about one of the first mega churches, really, where he would speak. But you know that he almost quit before he, he barely even got started. You see, just at 22, he's preaching at the Surrey Garden Music Hall in London, and it held over 12,000 people. The place was packed. They say that there was over 10,000 people outside the, the arena trying to get in or trying to hear and wanting to listen to the sermon. And just as Spurgeon got up to speak, someone in the room screamed out, fire, 
fire, and the place went into pandemonium. People began to stampede. They tried to get out, but the 10,000 people outside were pressing them in. Nobody could go anywhere, and the balcony collapsed. Can you imagine the scene? Spurgeon's on the stage just trying to get people calm, and he can't do it. They usher him out. When every, all the dust settles, literally, seven people are dead and over 24 seriously injured. And Spurgeon collapses into a depression for days and weeks. If he even looks at the Bible, he bursts into tears. He says he'll never pick it up again. He'll never preach again. But thankfully, in the weeks to come that he does, but he never fully recovered from that tragedy. How do you recover? How do you go on? Well, he said something amazing, and that's what we take out of this message today. And this is what he said, and I think it can serve well in your life, and it's this. He says, I've learned to kiss the wave that throws me against the rock of ages. I've learned to kiss the wave that throws me into the rock of ages. First of all, you've got to face your fear. If you've got an Egyptian army coming full speed, it's fight or flight, and Moses is up there saying, fear not. Now, that's easier said than done. I don't know if you've ever called somebody with a difficulty and say, hey, don't worry about this. But guess what? They don't feel the breath on your neck like you do. Amen? You might feel like that. You might be, you might be facing something right now, and you know, I don't have a literal army at my door, but it feels like it. I can hear the, the footbeats, if you will. I can see it's coming down. And, you know, according to psychologists, it's only, we're only born with two fears. The fear of loud noises and the fear of falling. You realize that? That's only innate in us. All the rest of the fears are learned. You learn to be afraid of everything else in your life besides loud noises and falling. But guess what? If we can learn fears, maybe we can unlearn fears. Faith is the process of unlearning my fear. 1 John 4.18 says there is what? No fear in love. Why? Because perfect love casts out fear. Here's, here's the two. You ever heard this? You got to fear God. Well, I can't fear, but I got to fear God. What? The Bible actually says fearing God is the beginning of wisdom. Well, what does that mean? Fearing God means to hold him in the highest esteem, to revere God above all else. If you fear God, if you hold him in the highest esteem, if God is in that rightful place in your life, you don't have to fear anything else because the fear of God is the cure for every other fear, but we're still human. So what if, let me ask you, if one of the greatest things that could happen to us in our lives is maybe for that fear that you fear the most to actually happen so you can realize that, guess what, I'm still here. Maybe facing that fear is the thing that really sets you free. Now, let me add one more thing to the mix, because we are a faith community, the body of Christ. You, you, you have a major faith. The Bible says when you come to Christ, you're a new creation, you have a major faith. So we're the ones that are supposed to, like, eat faith for breakfast, right? We're supposed to have faith Wheaties. We're supposed to get up and say, man, we've got the faith. But when we come up against some, something, and even, I love this, because when the body of Christ gathers together, we have a collective faith together. When things come again, our culture is crazy right now, and we can be afraid. There's actual times when I look and say, what is going to happen? And it feels like a fear, but when we come together, we can say, you know what? We've all seen God do God-sized things. 
We've all seen when God, we say, man, that was only God. You ever have one of those only God moments? Some of you, your husband's been driving and you get home safely and you say, man, that was the grace of God, right? <laughs> or maybe it's the, no, okay, I won't say that. All of us want a miracle, but here's the truth. None of us wants the situation that makes a, ne a miracle necessary. You know, they say, man, I just want miracles in my life. Okay, well, then you got to hang out over the Red Sea and have your tail exposed to the army. You know what I'm saying? You can't have one without the other. And here's the good news. When you experience a setback, you can realize, what if God is working through this because he's already preparing me for something better? He's already preparing the comeback in my story. So what does God say to Moses in Exodus 14.4? He says, I planned this in order to display my glory. So God is going to put his glory on display one way or the other. So we can either decide to say, God, you know, I'm going to be afraid of this, but God says, I want to get you in a position where people will know that it was only God. I've been in places in my life, and people will talk to me now, and we'll talk, and we'll talk stories, and sometimes I share things from my life, and they say, wow, I can really see God in that. Isn't it easier to look back and see God in that? But because when I was facing it down, I was like, this cannot be God. We've got to face our fear. And maybe the cure for the fear of failure is not success. Maybe that's not. Maybe the cure for fear of failure is just enough failure in small doses that we build up an immunity to it. Now, I don't want to start talking immunization about it right now or let's just keep going. But, you know, isn't that the thing about it gives you enough of the real stuff just to build up an immunity to it? And what if we begin to realize that maybe overcoming that fear is turning towards learning to kiss the wave that throws me in against the rock of ages. You have to identify it. You can't avoid it sometimes. But what if we turn and said, God, in you, perfect love casts all, out our fear. My fear for you, my, my reverence for you is greater than anything. And I'm going to turn and face this. And you build it up. And maybe it's like walking into the water, just like this Nishan. You have to face the fear. You have to kiss the wave that throws you against the rock of ages. The second thing is you've got to stand your ground. You've got to stand your ground. Exodus 14, 13. We just read that. I, like, I love this. It says, fear not, stand still, and you will see the salvation of the Lord, which he will show you today. The Lord will fight for you, he shall, and you shall hold your peace. The NLT there says stand still. The NIV says stand firm. As in having done all the stand, stand firm. The Amplified says take your stand. The Good News Translation says stand your ground. So whatever way you slice it, it comes up the same. Sometimes the hardest thing to do if the Egyptian army is bearing down on you full speed is to be able to just stand. I don't think faith is ever not having fear, but when I do have fear, faith is remembering who God is. Faith is not just working up to, well, I never have fear again in my life, because guess what? We'll all walk out of here, it could take one phone call, it could be one email, and there can be fear. But at that moment, we can either say, all right, this is the end, or we can say, wait a minute, our God is bigger than anything that can come against us. 
I wonder if Moses had flashbacks to the burning bush. You remember, Moses was called into this leadership role. He was called into this ministry at a moment that he walked up to the burning bush and God revealed himself to him. Remember that story that he walked up and said, take off your sandals, this is holy ground. And, and God began to reveal himself, I am that I am and I'm going to send you to do a great work. And you remember what Moses said. He, he began to use every excuse, excuse in the book and first thing that Moses says is, who am I? Who am I to, de to deal with this problem? I love that God answers the question by not answering the question Moses asked, but answering the question that Moses should have asked. Moses made every excuse as we do. I'm not good enough. They won't believe me. I'm not qualified for this. But God says this in a statement, I will be with you. That's what he tells him. Moses, you're not in this alone. I will be with you. And you know what? I would say that is all we need to know. That no matter what you're facing today, maybe you're, you've slept through some of this or Facebook through some of this, and all right now, this is, the, this is the thing you walk out of here with. God is with you no matter what you face. He will be with you. I see this thing and I'm fearful, but God, do you see this? You ever remind God of something? It's like, hey, hey, God, I don't know if you're paying attention, but I could really use you right now. I bet you there's about 1.5 million Israelites saying the same thing, going, okay, God, uh, the treasure map through to the wilderness, through the, uh, to the promised land is supposed to lead this way, but we took a wrong turn, and now we're in trouble. It's so counterintuitive just to say, okay, but move forward. But look at the, but okay, but move forward. It reminds me of something General Anthony McAuliffe said to the American troops in World War II was called the Battle of the Bulge. <laughs> I just thought that happened when I turned 45. But uh, <laughs> it's really not. It was actually a battle. And literally, the, 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 uh, the war line bulged out. And so the Germans surrounded. Our U.S. troops moved up in, and they became completely surrounded by German troops. It was not a good time. It was, the, it was a battle of Baston, they call it. And General Anthony McAuliffe comes out and says, Men, we have the greatest opportunity ever afforded an army. We can attack in any direction. <laughs> That's what you call flipping the script. Guess what? This enemy's not getting away <laughs> anywhere we turn. Guess, you know, I've had a few of those. I can look any direction, and I've got something to attack. But in crisis situations, where do you go? Where is home base? Where is the coming back? If we've got to step back to something, isn't it back to the foot of the cross? Isn't it back to the empty tomb where we go back and say, yeah, but God was there and God was there. I love baptism Sundays. I love an opportunity when we can see people that have made the decision that I'm going all in with Jesus. And sometimes you've got students that are doing it for the first time. Sometimes you have people that come back and say, you know what, I was baptized as a kid, but I had a lot of life go on. I need to, I want this. And I always say, write this date down in your Bible or somewhere you see it a lot, because let me tell you what, as soon as you dry off and the water gets out of your ears, the enemy's going to come up and he's going to hit you with something, and you point back and say, yep, that's right where at the day that I said I'm all in with Jesus. you got to go back to what you know. The tomb is still empty. The cross was for me. we got to go back to the promise we can stand on. Philippians 1.6, he who began a good work 
will complete that good work. He is watching over us, the Bible says, his word to perform it. The Bible says that he'll bring all things together for our good, ultimately. It doesn't mean that all things are good, but he's going to bring it together for our good. We heard Paul say, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. And you know what? I heard this one time. He who has a why to live can bear almost any how. <laughs> I know why. I know why God saved me. I know why God has me. Now, how is up to him. You know, it's putting it back on God. It's really putting it back on God. When I was growing up as a preacher's kid uh, in Idaho, a little town in Idaho, uh, I remember as a kid we had a, a missionary that went out of our state, and so every few years that missionary would come back, and she would end up in our church. And just as a young woman, this single little lady was called to missions. wasn't even five foot tall, but she was called. She said, I'm going to the Congo, Africa. Everybody's like, whoa, that little lady was powerful. She had a call from God in her life. She knew what she was going to do. She got on a ship, and she went all the way to Congo. It's, one of the, it's not called the Congo anymore, but let me tell you, it was one of the roughest spots, and she carved out a ministry there, and there was other team members there. There were other missionaries in the area, and civil war broke out, and it got crazy nasty, insomuch that the other Assembly of God missionary that was there, they took him, and they killed him, and they threw him in the river. And then they came and they broke into her apartment, her and another missionary associate, two women, they took them downstairs and began to kick them to where she thought she was going to die. Someone stopped it, threw them in a Jeep, took them to jail. How many are glad for the call of God? She sat there in the jail. They got word of what happened to missionary Turner, that he had just been killed. And they only can think, this is it, this is it. For some reason, they come in. Later, they said it must have been a clerical error, but they let him out. What does she do? She comes back to Idaho. She goes to a few churches. She goes right back. I would sit and listen. I had an opportunity to sit as she's like in her 80s, and she's telling me these stories, and I'm just like going, wow. But she wrote this book, and she titled the book, It's Your Affair, Lord. She went through crazy stuff. She's one of those powerful ladies, but she'd always just put it back on God. Hey, I'm here because you called me here. This is your problem, God. This is your, when you stand your ground, in other words, God, this is your deal. You let it, this is, God, can you take care of this problem and let me know when you figure it out? What are you facing? Let me just tell you this. Even if you've caused it <laughs> or contributed to the difficulty Sometimes it's totally outside of you, but you're facing it. Stand your ground by putting it back on God. Like Moses, if your faith and trust is in Jesus, it's his affair. He's got you. Hey, God, how are they going to? I'll be with you. But they're not going to believe me. I'll be with you. Yeah, but they won't. I'll be with you. Here's our why. Let him deal with the how. The last point today is hold your peace. Hold your peace. You know, there's an ancient tradition practiced in Orthodox churches that's called pass the peace. And it's not called pass the peace pipe. That's a different tradition. And we don't, anyway, just seeing if you're still with me. But this actually traces back, not to that bad joke, but this actually traces back to the Sermon on the Mount. And 
that if you're offering a gift at the altar, Jesus said, and you realize that you're at odds with someone, what do you do? You go be reconciled to them. They call that passing the peace. How do we counteract what's going on in our culture right now? How do we counteract racial tension? How do we counteract political polarization? It is everywhere. Well, you interpret the pattern of Matthew chapter 5, where I think, I know, I'm not saying I think. This is what Jesus said. It worked then. He said it for all time. His word never fails. Love your enemies is what he said. Pray for those who persecute you. Bless those who curse you. And when we pass the peace, heaven invades our space a little bit. But let me just back up one step. It's really hard to pass the peace if you don't learn to hold your peace. And let's be honest, so many of us right now are having a difficult time with peace. One-third of Americans struggle with depression and anxiety right now. And you can look around, turn on the news, look at our culture, look at what's going on and say, no wonder, I'm one of them. Anxiety can come in like a flood, but how do we get it back? How do we hold our peace when it seems like the world is spinning off its axis, when it seems like the train is off the tracks? As those who follow the Prince of Peace, we look to Him. He is our peace in a world that doesn't have it. Because He said, my peace I leave with you, not like the world gives. I don't know about you, but the last time you got a lasting peace with the world was and culture today, let's see, never. But Jesus is the peace that we need. That's why Jesus stood up and rebuked the wind and the waves and said, guess what? I want you to be able to do this. That's why he got up and said, peace to the storm. And he said, guess what? When I'm working in your life, I want you to be able to do this. We don't take offense at everything we see in here. How about we play a little offense, be offering our love and forgiveness? We don't just react all the time. We find ways to act in love. That's standing your ground as grace givers and peacemakers. And when we do, we shift the atmosphere. So how do we hold our peace? Well, one way we hold our peace is by owning our past. And if you don't own your past, I've heard somebody say that if you don't own your past, your past owns you. But here's the deal. Here's the catch is we can't change our past. Only God can help us change our past by learning from it. And Jesus says, guess what? We can bury that old life, that old part of you, six feet under, and something new comes. If any person be in Christ, he is a new creation. He or she is walking free. I don't know what you need to bury today or let become new and free but what if it's just time to kiss the wave? Maybe that'll be your statement for this next month, man. I'm just going to kiss the wave. KTW. Let me start a new hashtag. They even do hashtags anymore? Maybe not. Put it on TikTok. I don't know. But pretty simple message this week. If you want to kiss the wave, you have to face your fear. You have to stand your ground. And you have to hold your peace. And there's nothing easy about these three things. You might say, easier said than done. 
But I love what happens when the Lord speaks to Moses in chapter 14, when Moses is standing there, he's looking at the Red Sea, he's looking at the army, and God says to him, why are you crying out to me? Tell these people to move forward. It's a step of faith. Maybe the tradition is true and Nashon stepped out into the water. But let me tell you what, if it wasn't him, somebody had to. What's the step of faith that God has for you this week? What do you know that you're, you need to do and you're looking for the strength to do it? Maybe it's making a marriage counseling appointment and you just can't come to just making that phone call. Maybe that's your action step. Maybe that's that step of faith that you need to do this week. Wade into the water. Whatever you're going to start from, you know, training, a diet, you got to wade into the water. We got to start somewhere. If it's resolving a conflict, maybe you need to initiate that conversation. If it's bringing that thing you've kind of kept in the dark before God, maybe that's your step of faith to say, God, look at this. I'm ready to be honest with you and just put it out there. The first step is always the hardest step. But maybe if you want God to make a sidewalk through the sea, you got to wade into the water and say, it's time to kiss the wave. You know, there's, I've heard this before. There's two kinds of peoples, peoples, <laughs> plural. Um, it's English, y'all. Um, there's two kinds of people, plotters and plotters. Plotters with two T's and plotters with two D's. Plotters with T, those are the people that see far off future. Man, they are, they're going for it. They have vision beyond their resources. Man, these are the people that inspire us. They're, they're the friends of yours that, you know, they set God-sized goals and and man, you know what? I admire plotters. I learn from them. I love them. But then there's also the plotters with two Ds. And these are the people that get up every morning and just say, okay, what's in front of me? I just need to focus on today. And they stay humble, but they're still hungry. But they stay humble, and they stay in their lane, and they stay the course. I think that Nashon guy, the great-great-grandfather of King David, I think he's the patron saint of plotters. <laughs> And what if, but what if he stopped? He just got in and said, ooh, this water's cold. I'm done. What if he didn't get past knee-deep because it was getting uncomfortable? What if at the waist he thought, I look foolish? What if at his chest to say, this is going to be really dumb? What if, but we don't have to say what if because he didn't quit. But there's so many things that I quit too soon. And there's so many things that I give up way too easily. And as a church... We look into God's word. It says, let's fix our eyes on Jesus, the author, and guess what? The finisher of our faith. I just think my, my life is a faith experience. Well, this thing, he's the author. He's the one that's written the story, and he's going to finish this thing. In other words, Jesus kissed the way for you, even when it's the scariest thing for us to do. Someone needs to start something today, and maybe... Today is the day that you step forward and you even step towards Jesus. And I just want to pray right now in this moment. And if you're in this room today and you'd say, you know what, I, I need that relationship with Jesus. Just in your mind, just go into a conversation with God. Maybe you've known Christ in the past. Maybe you followed Jesus before, but stuff has happened. Maybe you were supposed to step into the water and like a lot of people, you ran the other way. 
Maybe it was flight more than fight, whatever that might be. Maybe it's decisions of other people or your own decision. But I'm telling you, the Bible says today is the day of salvation. Today's the opportunity for you to step into Jesus. Here's what I know. The Bible says when we step towards Jesus, he always steps towards you. That God is leaning into you. There's stories in the Bible where someone started home and God came running towards them to embrace them. So I just want to encourage you today. If you're watching online right now, I'm telling you today, you can say that prayer right where you're at. If you're in this room right now, would you just have that conversation? Jesus, I need to step into you. I'm tired of doing this on my own. I don't know how, the, I don't know how this is going to be. I'm afraid. I'm stuck. Whatever the conversation needs to be, would you just have that with Jesus right now? And here I'm, here's what I'm telling you. Coming to Jesus doesn't make your life perfect. We have too many examples of people that love Jesus and just aren't perfect. I'm telling you, coming to Jesus, though, he's the significant part of your life. He will walk with you. And just like God told Moses, he will be with you. When you connect with Jesus, he's with you. Here's the deal. If i got to walk through something, I just don't want to do it alone. Maybe you might take a moment and say, Jesus, come into my heart. Jesus, come into my life. There's other people in the room, you've been following Jesus maybe longer than I have, but you just have a step and you know what it is and you need to say, God, give me the courage to take that step. Give me the courage to face that fear. Give me the courage to kiss that wave even though it slammed me up against the rock of ages. God, give me the faith to stand and the peace that I can hold. Maybe your prayer needs to be today. God, give me the courage to take that step. God, give me the peace in my heart if I've got to stand here And help me to know I don't stand here alone. I'm standing with you. Give me the courage like a Nishan to step into the water. God, give me the faith to see that highway through the sea. Father, I pray right now that you would just flood this room. We've prayed for it beforehand. We prayed that you'd prepare hearts and minds even before anyone walked into this room. And I pray right now for those that are making conversations with you for the first time or first time in a long time. For those of you that are talking to you right now and making a decision in their heart to take that step, to make that contact, to repair that relationship or to do what you're asking them to do, God, I pray that you would give them the courage and the strength to do it right now. Thank you for the faith of someone like Moses, but thank you, God, he's just like us and has a lot of times more questions than answers, but thank you that your response to him is the same to us. You will be with us. Thank you, God. In Jesus' name, amen. Yesterday is history. Tomorrow's a mystery. Today, we got to kiss the wave. Would you stand with me together right now? Uh, we have a prayer wall right over here to your left-hand side. And uh, don't leave today if you need someone to pray with you. There'll be people that love Jesus and would love to pray with you, and they'll be standing right over there to pray with you. So don't leave today. If you've made a decision for Christ, there's a host online right now. Would you let us know? We would love to connect with you. Love to help you in your next step. If you're in the room today, that uh, Connect card, man, just let us know. Drop it at the Connect booth out there with your offerings. Just put it in there, and we will connect with you. We don't want you to walk out alone because Jesus says he wants to be with you, and the job of the local church is to be his hands and feet. Hey, uh, you know, a couple weeks ago, uh, this last week, an incredible team here from Family Life Church go to George Fox Connection Day. 
We set up a booth. We gave away a $100 Chipotle card. How you like that? Some of you are going, wait a minute. It was awesome. we got to feed hungry college kids. Let me tell you what. George Fox students are coming from all over the place. There's a group of them. There's a gaggle of them in here. I love it. I don't know if that, what that quite means, but hopefully you're not offended. We love it that you're here. Would you welcome the Fox kids today? Awesome. Uh, thank you. So if you see a hungry college kid, would you feed them? Just loan them 10 bucks, do whatever, just love on them. Man, do you remember the first time you went away from home and ended up at college? They need a great home church. They need people that, grandmas and grandpas, and people that will love on them. And because uh, stuff is crazy on campus, but God is still big. He's going to help them through. You know, I came to Fox. That's how I got to this church. Be nice to them. The next pastor might be sitting in here. Coming to Fox. It would be awesome. Anyway, I just scared them all half to death. Please come back. Until I see you again, I pray that God would bless you and keep you. I pray that God would turn his face towards you and shine his countenance on your life. Because his message is to you, I'm with you. Come on, let's kiss the wave. God bless you as you go live the life. Hey guys, this is Pastor Dave. I just want to say thank you for joining us today for this podcast. You know, at Family Life Church, our vision is to create a safe, authentic environment where people connect with Jesus. And we don't believe it's an accident that you joined us today. You know, if this message meant something to you, we would love to hear from you. You can connect with us on our website at myflc.org. Or you can also find us on Facebook and Instagram at Family Life Church Newburgh. And I invite you to subscribe to this podcast and you can listen regularly. And I just want to say thank you and God bless your week.